Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. How many are excited that we're in the middle of January and it's like 60 degrees outside, huh? I think I'm just going to sell my snowblower in faith. Oh, someone says, don't do that. I, I hear you. Uh, so listen, um, I'm excited. My, my favorite time of the year is right now when we talk about vision and we talk about where we're going as a church, and we're, we're going to certainly be doing that in the weeks to come. You don't want to miss, um, especially um, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about the direction this year of both campuses and where we're going. There's some exciting news, and we're just we're thrilled about that. But but we also uh, realize that it's hard to have vision for something if you don't have vision for your own life. And so I know there's a lot of people uh, that, that, you know, y- you've struggled in that area. Like, why am I here? Where am I going? Um, what does God have for me? And, and, and today I want to really talk about you. I want to talk about your vision today and how God can speak to you and, and give you dreams and, and, and encourage you. And there, I think there's someone here today that you needed to come and hear this because you've, you've lost your hope. You've lost your vision. And so uh, t- that's what we're going to talk about today is your personal vision um, from God. And so in Jeremiah 17, uh, it says, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and their confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. And such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Turn to someone and say, You're a tree. <laughs> You've been called worse, so relax. (laughs) But I love this verse because it's a picture of us, and it's a picture that, that those of us that put our hope and our confidence and our trust in the living God, guess what? We are like trees planted, and we're not affected by the outward environment or the outward circumstances, but we continue to grow and bear fruit and remain strong and beautiful, and that's like a person's life that's planted in their God. And I love this verse. It's, it's a wonderful promise. And... Um, I love the fact that God, in his creative genius, uh, built us in such a way. There are so many things in us that are mind-blowing, honestly. Um, So let's take sight, for instance. So God created us with this incredible brain. Now, some of the wives are like, I'm not so sure about that. But no, I'm just kidding. Um, but 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 God has created us with this incredible brain. And do you know that our eyes, for instance, every second, every second will take in four million bytes of information. Every second. And then so the moment we take it in, our brain processes it instantaneously and then forms a 3D color picture and puts it into, into motion. All this happens in like that. So if I see something, my, I see it, my brain interprets it, puts it in a 3D color picture, sends it back to me, and now I have sight. It's amazing, isn't it? The brain is very powerful. Um, and so as human beings, we tend to think in pictures. 
And I think that's why even a lot of when you read prophecies in the Bible about end times and all that, everything's, it can be confusing because it's in pictures, isn't it? It's in visions, it's in pictures, because that's the way our brain functions and our brain works. So let me just show you that, uh, and, and I'll illustrate this. So if I say the words, big black dog, okay, you're not picturing the words, big black dog. You're picturing like a black lab or a, or a big black dog, right? So it's interesting how we are visually oriented. We think in pictures. Um, and, so, and, and that is just a miracle. It's a miracle. And so it's with that, we, we think in pictures. Everyone has a picture of ourselves, of our family, and of our future. We can, we can picture it as though it has already happened. The truth is, we will become how we see ourselves. That's the truth. Your life will be determined by the vision or the lack of vision that you have. We know, we just said that sight is a function of the eyes, but vision is a function of the heart. And I'm not talking about eyesight today. I'm talking about vision that comes from the heart. When a, when a person doesn't have a vision, they live by their eyes. In other words, they, 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 they live by what they see. Isn't there a scripture that says faith is not living by what you see, but it's by what is unseen, right? So what you believe in creates a particular environment in your life and in your heart, right? You, you develop a culture in your life and in your heart by what you believe in. And, and, and so vision is so important. It, it helps you. It, 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 it's how you see things more than seeing things. It's how you see them. Another way to look at it is, is vision. Uh, God exposes in you the true environment of your life in the midst of the environment that you find yourself in. In other words, he helps you see the real self. I find that when I, when I get into God's word and I read his word and, um, you know, it, it, I just want to say this, that God's word is more than a self-help book. It's more than just a feel good, give me the warm fuzzies, yay, 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 rah, rah, rah. It, there's some parts in there that get you jacked up, no doubt about it. But God's word is like you holding a mirror up to yourself. And and we always think better of ourselves than we really are, and we always think people are worse than they really are. That's just the way we're wired. Well, look at him. Look at what he's struggling with. Poof. Good thing I'm not struggling with that, but you're struggling with ten other things that are just as bad. So, so God's Word has a way of being like a mirror where it says, but I'm, I'm speaking to you. This thing in your life, this thing in your heart is killing you. It's destroying you. It is hurting you. It is causing you to lose your vision, and you need to get rid of it. And, and so that's what God does. He will, he will show you the culture or the environment of your, of your life that you're in, and he'll challenge you with that. So I wrote down um, just three things that I think um, will help us 
discover the vision that God has for our life, and not only discover it, but to do something with it, to live in it, to, to walk in that vision. How many, how many of you said, I came to the right place today? All right, good, good. The first thing is, none of this is rocket science, by the way, so if you're looking to be blown away, you might not be. But um, number one, <laughs> number one, live on purpose. We need to start living on purpose. The reality is, is that most people uh, have a mindset like, okay, whatever life throws at me, I'll just get through it. That's not the way to live. That's not being proactive. That's being reactive. And that's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to live on purpose. And, and you know, God has placed such potential in his people and in and, 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 Every single person that's born, I believe God has given so much potential to. But the reality is millions and millions of people never use the God-given potential that God has for them. And cemeteries and graveyards are full of unrealized dreams. Countless people go to their graves with unused potential and unspent resources, dreams that were never achieved. I don't want to live like that. We, we tend to live empty and die full. In other words, you could live a life of just emptiness and frustration and have a, a big bank account, but it doesn't help you in the end. We tend to live empty, falling short, not realizing God's potential and, 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 and dying full. But we ought to live full and die empty. So our potential is reached, our resources are all spent, and our dreams are achieved. I think on our headstone, it should read this, empty, nothing left, no more gas. Done. One of my favorite scriptures is in Acts, I've read this a thousand times, but it just always speaks to me. It's a, it says, it's speaking about David, and it says, when David served God's purpose for his own generation, he died. Listen, I don't want to check out one second before I have fulfilled everything God has called me to fulfill. But I'll say this, the moment, the millisecond that I have completed and fulfilled his purpose for my life, Lord, take me home. I want to die empty. I don't need anything. No, I'm bringing nothing with me. So I want to spend my energy, my time, my passion, my money, everything in getting other people to heaven. And after that, I'm gone. Those without vision usually spend their lives taking the path of least resistance rather than living the, God, the life that God intended for them. So... Um, you know, in my, in, my, in my personal life, the times that I have been more alive and more petrified, more joyful, more empowered, more scared, more everything, where I have felt alive as a follower of Jesus, not just going through some motion, those, those have been times when I have um, gotten out of my safety zone and my comfort zone and said, God, I will go where you want me to go, and I will do what you want me to do, and I will trust you. And, 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 it, and it's those times where um, there's been an easy path 
and a difficult path. But the difficult path I know God is asking me to walk, when I have walked that, it's like I know why I'm here. Or a lot of people just say, you know what, I, don't, I, don't, I just want to take the easy path. But in the, on that easy path where there's no resistance and no pushback, and you just, you're just going to kind of walk somewhere in between God and the world, and you're just going to try to get through, there is no fulfillment, there's no contentment, there's no joy, there's just major frustration. So we need to, to, to live on purpose. We, we really do. We need to live on purpose. We need to make room in our life for God's purpose. It doesn't just come naturally. My, my, my wife, um, I'm going to pick on her for a minute, um, so I might need to ride home. Um, <clears throat> so, but we had this, I built this closet last year, and I was covering up some HVHC lines, all this stuff, whatever. You, you can ask your husband what that means later. But um, I, I was covering, so I got this closet, and I got these 100-year-old barn doors, and it's just, you know, I just really wanted my tool set in there, in, uh, in the living room, you know? I'm just kidding. It was just, it was just a great room. We, we, could, we could store some stuff. And then uh, these crazy grandkids' toys just, like, multiply. I don't know what's going on, but we have got... It's like Disney World at our house. My wife's a thrifter, and so she'll find something at a thrift store that's brand new in the box for, like, $1.95, and it comes home. And so when you would open up these doors, man, I, I would be scared to stand within 10 feet of that opening because who wants to get killed by a Fisher-Price landslide avalanche, right? It's just, it would be horrible. It was crazy, and it was bugging her because it was so chaotic. The grandkids come, they open those doors up, and it's like craziness. And then when they leave, you're just kicking stuff in and pulling the door shut and just telling people, don't go near that door, because if it goes, it's going to take out some people. So she asked me, I think New Year's Day or the day after, she goes, do you mind if I go to Costco and buy some totes? Yeah, sure. I think we cleaned out all three Costcos on Long Island of all their totes. And, and so Kim spent like 12 hours organizing these, these, all the toys are in bins. It's just beautiful, beautiful. You open the door and she just, she just, it's beautiful. Now there's a lot more room for more toys. And, and, and so, but it's great. But you know what? This is the thing. She had to be intentional about making room. Because there was a lot of clutter in there that was taking up valuable space. And in our lives, we need to make room. We need to be intentional for the purposes of God in our life, the vision that God has for us. You need to make room for the vision that God has for you. It doesn't just happen. That's why we call this series Make Room Series. We need to be people that live on purpose. The second thing that I thought of that might help us today is that we need to get ahead of what we want to leave behind. We need to get ahead of what we want to leave behind. How do you do that? You know, I could give you five things to do, and if you do A, B, C, D, and E, if you do these five things, you're going to, you know what, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, it, it goes down to spending time with your Creator. Spending time with God, spending quiet time with God. You will never know or understand the deep things of God in your life if you're not spending time with Him. You'll get the shallow stuff. But I don't know about you, but man, I want to know what my God's thinking about my life. I want to know what God's thinking about my marriage and my family. I want to know what His plans and purposes are. I want to know. 
And I know that I'll only get that when I spend time with him. And so every year, we, we love this time of year, we do our week of prayer and fasting, which is coming up February 3rd through the 9th. We've got early morning prayer in the mornings. We've got our Tuesday night service and, and our Friday night service where we're just going to focus on prayer and worship. And, and this is a time where, as a church, we can jumpstart ourselves. We're basically living on purpose. We're saying, you know, I'm going to get ahead of those things that, are, that I want to get out of my life, and I'm only going to get ahead of them by spending time with God and praying, and reading, and, and just, just cutting out all of the clutter, and just saying, God, what do you say to me? Do you know that God still speaks? God still speaks. I want to hear what he's saying. So I want to encourage you, in, in like two weeks, we're going to have this week of prayer and fasting. Take this time and say, God, I'm going to set aside my life purposely. I'm going to set aside what's going on, and I'm going to, I'm going to seek you. I want to hear your voice. I want you to speak to my life. The Bible says that without vision, uh, people perish. That's the old translation. One, one version says that people go unrestrained. Um, I love one translation. It says, where there's no word from God, people are uncontrolled. You feel like there's areas of your life that are out of control. It's probably because you don't have a fresh word of God in your life to give you vision, to give you direction. I believe that every single person in this room today and every single person that's on this earth is a result of a dream that came from God. You are a result of a dream. God dreamed you up for a reason and a purpose. Check out what he told Jeremiah, and we're going we're gonna to mention him in a minute, but in the beginning of Jeremiah chapter 1, it says, he says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God knew all about you before you took your first breath here on this earth. God has a, a plan and a purpose for you, and you will only be fulfilled and content when you are walking in that and understand it. You might have difficulties. You will have difficulties. But if you know what the plan is, you can walk through that. I can't deal with, if I don't know what the plan is, I get frustrated. I'm a punch list kind of guy. You give, me a, you give me what I need to do, I'll make a list, and I'll follow that list until it's done. That's my happy place. The problem is this stupid list keeps getting longer and longer. I don't understand what happened. You think you'd catch up, but never catch up. But I love having a plan. I love having a direction. I love knowing what I'm supposed to do. Right? You too? David, uh, which was one of the greatest kings of all time, had this great insight into how involved God is with us. And he said, it's, it's similar to the verse we just read, but David said, Lord, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Thanks for making our wives so complex, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book, every day. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How cool is that? How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. David is saying, 
the amount of times he thinks about you every day cannot even be counted. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Unbelievable. You know, um, we have a grandbaby number four coming. And I know some of you are looking like, how, he's so young looking. How can he do that? I, I don't know. I, I know you're thinking that, but it's a miracle. It's a miracle from God. Um, I mean, baby Jesus and Mary, I mean, you know. Oh, I'll get emails on that. I know it. Um, <clears throat> so uh, we've got this grandbaby coming. And uh, it's so crazy how even when you have kids, like you, you remember what life was like. Uh, well, you, you, when you think back, when, when you're going through life, you're like, okay, it's just me and my wife. And that's normal. And you can't even picture having another child. And then you have the child. And a few months later, you're like, oh, of course, I can't picture life without that child, right? You just can't picture it. And uh, so we've got these, we've got these, uh, these grandbabies. So, so we've got Aubrey, who's our oldest. She's six. And she came out of the womb studying geometry and trigonometry and all that. You cannot win an argument with Aubrey because she's like, you know, she does that valley girl thing. And you're, you, don't, you don't know nothing. And, and we, we just get a kick out of her. She's, she's a formidable foe. She's a debater. Um, so then, and then Carter is like Wreck-It Ralph. Man, Carter comes in, man, and he's like, all boy, you know, Timberlands, flannel shirt, and a sledgehammer, and that's Carter. And he's, he's awesome. He's like a man's man. Love that kid. And then, and then, you know, we couldn't picture anything else because there was so much chaos. I mean, so much excitement in the house uh, with those two. And then what happens? We get Chloe. Now, Chloe is almost two, and she is awesome. I don't, she's just so different than the other two. We never pictured it. And Chloe is a type where she's a survivor, man. She, she, will, she will get in the middle of what the other two are doing, and it doesn't matter the carnage that's going to be involved. There's going to be food on the ceiling and on the walls. There's going to be game. They'll be, do, they'll be building a tower, and, and Chloe runs and does like a Superman dive into the mix of it, wants to be in the middle of it. And she's hilarious. But i got to be honest with you. I am stuck when it comes to picturing what number four is going to be like. I don't know. It's just, it's, I can't picture it. I can't picture what this fourth baby is going to be like in personality or how this baby is going to look. But I do know this, that by the end of March, we're going to go, well, of course. Of course. It makes perfect sense. And, and, and so um, I love the fact that God knew your personality he knew what you would look like. He knew how you'd be wired. He knew everything about you before you ever took your first breath. And he knows every moment of your life and every day of your life are, are written somewhere. And so, I don't know about you, but that gives me a tremendous amount of confidence, the fact that there's nothing that's going to happen in my life that he's not completely aware of. God sees not just what you are right now, but God sees what you can be. And that's the game changer, isn't it? He's like, man, you don't understand, Pastor. I struggle with this. I'm a, I, I've done, I get it. I get it. But you need to know that God sees what you can be. And he views you that way. I know there's people here that You've had people speak into your life 
for many years telling you that you couldn't do this or you weren't good enough for this or you'd never amount to this. I, I get that, and those voices are strong, but you, the, you, you need to, that's junk, by the way. You need to know the truth is this, that God looks at you and says, you're the apple of my eye. You, I have created you to reflect my image to a broken down world, and I've got plans and purposes for you, and I want to bless you, and I want to go before you and, and divert things and knock things out of the way so you can walk the walk that I've called you to walk. Let me just give you a couple of examples here today. So Joseph of the Old Testament. Joseph God saw a man that he could trust. Now, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Joseph was this bratty, spoiled daddy's boy that, that loved getting his brothers riled up. Hey, guys, I had a dream about you, and you were all bowing down to me. And they're like, oh, we'll fix you. And they beat the daylights out of him and threw him in a pit and then told the dad, yeah, he got killed by a lion and, and, and it ripped up his coat and put blood on it and, and sold him into slavery. That's pretty brutal. He kind of deserved it, honestly. <laughs> but see, God knew what was coming down the pike. God knew that Joseph's family played an important part in the role of Jesus that would come. And, and that he knew that there was famine coming. He knew that there was tough times coming. And, and he knew that he, could, he, he needed someone that he could trust, that could lead not only Israel, but that could lead Egypt. And, and, and it was in this kid. He saw the next administrator of Egypt and, and really the savior of Jacob's family in this bratty, spoiled kid. But see, God saw what he could be, and God took him through a bunch of stuff to prepare him and get him to the place where he could do that. But God saw it. God called it before anyone else saw it, didn't he? How about a guy like Moses? God sees this leader in Moses. Moses is this orphan kid who grows up in, with privilege and wealth in Pharaoh's palace, and Pharaoh has enslaved the Israelites, and was not treating them good, which were Moses' people. Moses always had a heart for his people. He never forgot where he came from. And he even tried in his own strength to fix it where he saw an Egyptian guard mistreating an, uh, an Israelite, and he, and he killed him and tried to bury him in the, in the sand. Like, like, and he ends up, he's on the run. He's on the run, and he's, he's, this, he's this guy that's, he's, he's on the backside of a desert, doesn't know where he's going. He can't go back to where he's been. Gosh, I've been there a million times. How about you? <laughs> and, and, and he's just a mess. And God sees the leader hiding in the body of this shepherd who's on the run. God sees the leader that's going to lead God's people out of Egypt. That's amazing to me. Think of Rahab, who of the Old Testament. Rahab, God sees this woman of vision. Who's Rahab? Um, well, Rahab was a prostitute. <laughs> she was a prostitute from Canaan. And, and she lived in this city called Jericho that had these big walls around it. And, and the Israelites had come out of Egypt. Moses had, had led them out of Egypt. They came out of Egypt. God is giving them Jericho, but they have to fight for it. They have to overtake it. And here's this prostitute that God looks at and says, this is a woman of vision. Whoa, wait a minute. She's a sinner. God says, yeah, but she's a woman of vision. I see what she can be. To everyone else, she was just a woman of ill repute. But God saw this wonderful woman 
a vision. And when everybody around her fought against God and his people, she chose to fight for God. She was spared. She was spared. And she later married and became the great-great-grandmother of King David. And she is listed as one of Jesus' ancestors in the genealogy, a prostitute from Canaan. I love that because that gives me hope. Not that I'm a prostitute. I just meant, I just meant it gives me hope that God can use anybody. I'm going to clarify that. Then there's a guy named Gideon. There's a guy named Gideon. A mighty warrior, Gideon. You're going to love this story. So Gideon uh, is this young, this young guy. He's, from the, he's the smallest brother of the smallest tribe of the smallest clan of Israel. He's a nobody. And, and, and so the Midianites invade Israel, and, um, and he's scared to death. And, and God is needing to find a champion that's going to rally the troops to fight against the Midianites. So, he, you know, who does God look for? So this is so great. So Gideon is found on the top of a hill threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay, you're not supposed to thresh wheat in a wine press. You're supposed to press grapes in a wine press. He's avoiding what's happening. He's scared. He's hiding. And, and, and so this frightened young man who's, who's on this hill, and the angel of the Lord comes to him and says, I feel like God has this sarcastic humor. God says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> and I'm sure he's like. But see, God looked at him like he looks at us. He looked at him as what he could be, not what he was. And so we know the story that God, see, it, the story wouldn't have even had the impact if God would have just given him a million troops to go in and fight the Midianites. Then you'd be like, well, God could have used anyone like that. No, no, God stripped this kid. So he had like 300 men that took on thousands and won. God had to show him, I'm God, I'm your Lord, I'm the one who's going to direct this, and if you follow me, you will be a mighty champion. We don't normally look for mighty warriors hiding in wine presses threshing wheat. Then you see David. David is this young shepherd boy. He's got brothers that are like awesome soldiers, military guys. They're, they're just, um, they look the part, man. They, they're handsome. They're great. And the prophet of God comes to, 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 to identify the next king of Israel. And boy, Jesse's parading all of his sons past this prophet. And he's like, yeah, he looks good. He's got good pecs, but no, that's not going to be the king. And he's just looking past and looking past. And finally goes, is there anyone else he goes, well, I just got the youngest. He's out in the field taking care of the sheep. Well, go get him. He brings the youngest. The youngest comes. And what does God say? That's the one. That's the man after my own heart. Others saw this scrawny little boy, but God saw one of the greatest kings Israel ever had. God saw what he could be. How about Jeremiah? We mentioned him at the beginning. Jeremiah when he was called by God to the nations, couldn't even communicate. He had a speech impediment, and he was very insecure, and he, and he just felt like he saw himself one way, but God saw him, him in another way, and that's like most of us. And God called him to be the mouthpiece, to give a prophetic word to the nation, to give them hope. 
this guy that had a speech impediment, that had no confidence, that just looked at himself as a loser, and God says, but you're going to be my prophet to all of Israel. I, one of my favorites is a guy named Peter in the New Testament, the rock. Upon this rock, I will build my church. I think Peter needed to be on medication because I think he was bipolar. Because one minute, he was saying something fabulous to Jesus, and Jesus is like, Peter, you get it when no one else does. Upon this church, I'm going to build my rock. And then the next moment, he's saying something so incredibly stupid that Jesus has to rebuke him and says, get away from me, Satan. And then one minute, he's swearing that he's going to defend Jesus to his death. And the next minute, he's still swearing, but he's swearing that he doesn't know Jesus. I might have had him step down from the leadership board. But see, God saw what he could be, not what he was. I'm almost done. Got about 15 more. Just kidding. I'm joking. Then there's Paul, the greatest evangelist of all time. God saw Paul not as a persecutor and not as someone as a threat, but God saw him as a world changer. God saw Paul as someone who had the guts and the ability to get the gospel out of Jerusalem into all the world. We have the gospel today. We can thank Paul because Paul got it out of Jerusalem and out of, out of Israel and, and, and into the Greek. We, we've got the word of God because Paul got out there and won people to Jesus that were not Jewish. The church looked at Saul as a threat. He, he was a murderer. He would put you to death. He would make sure that you were tortured. He, he hated Christianity. But God saw him as the guy that was going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. God didn't just see what he was, but what he would become. How about one more? This is the, this is the best one. One more. You ready? How about you? I see you in a line next to it. How are you going to fill that how are you going to fill that in? You. How does God see you? You say, "Well, I, I don't know." You got to remember, he sees you what you can be, not what you are. How 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 could you fill in that blank? What dream does God have for your life? And are you living in that dream? And it brings me to my last thought, and is that we, we need to dream bigger, but we need to start smaller. Where we need to start taking steps that it's attainable and that we can, we can do this. In Proverbs, God says something amazing. He says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So basically, we go through life saying, I'm waiting on God. And God is saying, excuse me, I'm waiting on you. God is, God is saying, why don't you tell me what's in your heart? Why don't you spend time with me and tell me what you want to do with your life and, and, and the kind of person that you want to become? I, why don't you t- tell me, show me what's inside of you? And then, I, you know, I want you to write it down, and then I will determine your steps to make that happen. See, people tend to think that their dream is outside of them. Like I had someone approach me after the service this morning and say, I've thought my whole life that I had to chase my dream, that I had to, I had to find my dream, and it's, that's, not, that's not true. 
God has put the dream somewhere where you'll never lose it. Guess where? Inside of you. You can't miss it. It's there. There's things inside of you that he has hidden for such a time as this. So what do you desire? What what is it that God is doing in your life? Stop and document it. Write it down. Make a plan. And then watch God direct you. As I close today, our band's going to come out. Um, I, uh, back in high school, back in the 70s, I, um, I had two prerequisite classes that I had to take. And I thought going into them, like, oh, man, I'm going to hate these. One of them I hated, one of them I loved. So one of them was typing. And remember those IBM Selectric typewriters we had to use back then? Remember that? You had to change the ball to do the different fonts. All right, maybe you don't. Forget it. All right, that's old. That was ancient. You see that on Antiques Roadshow now. And IBM Selectric Typewriter, oh, that's worth a million dollars because it's ancient. So um, that's how I learned to type. And I still get my A's and my S's mixed up with my left. It's weird. So I uh, hated that class. Still hate it. Would never want to do it again. But the second prerequisite that I had to take was a class called journalism. And I thought, this journalism, what am I going to be doing with journalism? And, and I it ended up changing my life because day one of that class, we were handed journals. And every day of that semester, we had to journal something about our life. We, we, they would tell us, write down what your, what your day was like. And I had never done that. And I ended up getting so into it. So can I, can I just share with you one journal entry that I, I still have the book somewhere. Pages are yellow and it's old, but I still, so one of my, the first, the first day that I journaled was in the fall of 1977, and uh, I said in there, I went home after school, had a good day, and there was this brand new TV show on that was really cool called Chips. <laughs> and I was talking about Chips, how awesome it was. I watch it now, and I'm like, that is the lamest show I've ever seen in my life. But I, throughout my life, from that point on, there are seasons where I would write what was going on in my life. And then there's long stretches where I don't write anything, and then I go back to it. And I so the last 10 years, I have been journaling uh, with my iPad. And, and, um, and I, my, my iPad was getting old, and it wasn't working, and, it was giving, and I was afraid I was going to lose these journal, these journal entries. And uh, so I, I kind of commandeered my wife's brand-new iPad <laughs> But I couldn't get the journal entries over to the new iPad. That there's, I can't figure out how to do it. So I, the last three weeks, I've been going in manually and manually cutting and pasting every day, 10 years worth, so I can bring them over to my new iPad so that I can have them. And honestly, it's been the coolest thing because I'm reading like 10 years ago this week, where I was at and where the church was at and what we were praying about and what we were up against. And I'm like, yeah, you should, you should, I'm not going to let you read them, but I'm like, oh God, we need a miracle. <laughs> you know? And then I'm reading it as I'm, I'm like, oh God, God took care of that. And God took care of that. And God took care of that. And it's, it has been so cool to see where my mind was at, where my head was at 10 years ago and eight years ago and seven years ago. And even last year, it's been amazing to me to see the faithfulness of God because I, took the time and the effort to write it down when I was walking through it. 
I would have forgot all that. I can't remember. You ask me tomorrow what I preached on today, and I won't even remember. I have to look at my iPad. My brain just, you know, I'm in the moment. But, but, but I took the time to write it down. The book of Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, or however way you want to say his name, says this, and I believe this is a word for us today as a church. I will stand like a guard to watch and place myself at the tower. I will wait to see what he will say to me. I will wait to learn how God will answer my complaints. So, so he had some questions and some complaints, some things he was struggling with that he needed to hear from God about. It says, the Lord answered me, write down the vision. Write it clearly on clay tablets so whoever reads it can run to tell others. One translation says, write it with such big, bold letters that you can read it while you're on the run. It is not yet time for the message to come true, but that time is coming soon. The message will come true. It may seem like a long time, but be patient and wait for it because it will surely come. It will not be delayed. It takes effort and time to stop and write down the vision that God has for your life. It takes time. It takes a commitment then to begin to implement it. But if you could remember this, the way you see your future is the way you're going to live your life. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.